Brothers and sisters, Jazakum Khair for tuning in to the next episode of the Mike's Loaded Podcast. We haven't been around for a couple of weeks, but Alhamdulillah, we're back. And uh, today, subhanAllah, we've actually got a uh, first for the podcast, mashallah. It's our first podcast with a guest. Technically, it's our second podcast with a guest, but the first podcast with a guest was a bit dead, <laughs> so I never aired it. So Alhamdulillah, inshallah, this one is going to be a, little, a lot better. We've got with us, uh, mashallah, brother, uh, Umar Suleiman. He's, um, he's been around in the dawah for, for a long time, mashallah, tabarakallah, uh, one of the old school guys. Um, I'm sure he's got loads of stories to tell us. Um, so Umar, assalamu uh, alaikum, how you doing, bro? Wa alaikum assalam, rahmatullah, riyaz, jazakallah for having me on, bro. Ain't that long in the tooth. Ain't that long in the tooth when it comes to the dawah, but yeah, jazakallah. Mashallah, mashallah. No, you're still, you're still young at heart, man, mashallah. Um, yeah, alhamdulillah. So the reason I've got you on is because today we're talking about wealth, okay? And this is something that, you know, a lot of young people, you know, might be might be in the hustle, trying to like, you know, uh, get their hands on a little bit of that, on a little bit of that green. Yeah. And um, you're somebody, you've got, excuse me, you've got a background in Islamic finance, that's correct, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm I'm actively involved in Islamic finance. Mashallah, and uh, you you also work in the city, isn't it? As far as I understand. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, I'm I'm a risk consultant. Uh, I, I advise companies on managing their risk. I used to be in what's called operational risk, and then more recently, I've moved into digital and technology risk. Mashallah, mashallah. So you're a guy who you've got good grounding in the Islamic side of like you know finance, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and you've got good good grounding in sort of like you know the sort of more industry um, side industry side so yeah you know, yeah just like that yep so yes what we wanted to do is i was speaking to a few brothers right and we were coming to the conclusion that in a lot of sort of like talks khutbas things like that we don't really get much of a push in terms of as muslims to earn or amass wealth okay so i wanted to look yeah. at this concept of wealth um a little bit from the Islamic point of view and also a bit from the practical point of view and see like, you know, see if we can start unpicking it a little bit and provide a little bit of um, advice or guidance for, you know, anyone listening, for the youth, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I wanted to start you off on some things that might be a bit obvious, but at the same time, sometimes it's taken a little bit for granted. And that's the concept of wealth in Islam. Yep. And whether it's sometimes it can be seen as a bit of a negative thing. You know, like right. I remember back in the uni days, I don't know if you experienced anything like this, but when the brothers started coming on to Dean, they started getting away from their studies a little bit, getting away from like, you know, uh, being as focused on getting a job, more just Dunya. like knowledge and yeah. like, you know, dawah and stuff <laughs> yeah, like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So break this down for us. Wealth in Islam, positive, negative. Is there a context behind it? What, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. So, I mean, look, uh, wealth is... Uh, the way I see it is a tool or a weapon, right? Mm. So depending on whose hand it is, it's yeah. either going to be for you or against you, mm. right? So I understand, you know, when people start becoming more practicing because at the end of the day, wealth is something that tests you. And Allah yeah. talks about the different things that test 
success, your wealth is well, generally those successful are those who went through trials. You don't imagine someone who's got lots of wealth and, uh, you know, he's living a comfortable life. He's got everything that he wants. He's got the car, the house, uh, the, the, you know, the bank balance as someone who's kind of tested in the same way versus someone who's finding it difficult, who's kind of hustling to make ends meet. Yeah. So there is this narrative. You can understand why wealth may be seen as something kind of against the core of Islam. Then we look right. at a little bit further and you think of all the prophets, the mm. last prophet to enter paradise of the prophets is going to be Prophet Suleiman, mm. because he was a king in the dunya and he had wealth. So he's going to be uh, asked about had, that. Yeah? yeah, exactly. And then you hear the first people who will enter paradise from the people are going to be the poor and the miskeen, mm. right? So you can see why there's this, um, this kind of, you know, uh, counter narrative about wealth. But... What I say is this, um, earning wealth in of itself isn't the issue. It's what you do with that wealth. Uh, as, as the statement of Ali radiallahu anh says, he goes, you know, we hold wealth in our hands and not our hearts. Right. Right. So what we need to be thinking about is what we, first of all, call wealth, what we identify as wealth. What we do in the pursuit of that wealth, yeah, and what we do when we have that wealth, right? Because right. you think of um, on the day of judgment when we're going to be asked about our lives, the only area where we're asked two things, which the the, the the subject matter in which there's two questions is your wealth, your money, and how you earned it, and how you spent it. Yeah, it's funny. Right. So, so there is this focus on it, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't earn money because it's a great enabler for good, Riaz, bro. Yeah. You look, subhanAllah, now the Muslims are in the situation that they're in, the, the kind of uh, political situation globally is being dictated by money. Yeah. If you're economically strong, you're able to withhold and withstand certain pressures uh, internationally. As Muslims, if you have wealth, uh, you're able to, to do so much more with it, make real change. Yeah. You know, maybe we, I'll address that about making change uh, later, inshallah. Yeah. But my kind of opening to this thing about wealth is that we should not make it our objective, mm. but we shouldn't be shy about earning it in the right way with the right intention to enable change with it. Yeah, yeah, inshallah. So it's always, it's like anything, is it? It's always context specific. You know, like if if, if you're if you're bringing that wealth, like you say, the statement of Ali radiallahu anh, like bringing it into your heart. But like, if we were to sort of like try and again break it down a little bit, again with the a couple of the hadith that you mentioned about, for example, the first people to enter Jannah will be like from the from, from the poor, and how the wealthy are going to be asked about their uh, about their wealth, and that in and of itself is not necessarily seen as a bad thing. And that's something that I think is really important for us to sort of stress, that just because you're going to be asked about it, if you've used it in the right way, then it's obviously going to be a source of uh, potentially even getting a higher rank, right? Of course, absolutely. Look, you know, um, there's a verse in the Quran where Allah says, that um, whoever is grateful, Allah increases them. Yes, Whoever is grateful, Allah increases them. So if Allah has blessed you with wealth, and let me just put this at the beginning, what we consider wealth. If you're listening to this and you live in the UK, yeah. by pure fact that you live in the UK, you're in the top 5% of the world when it comes to wealth. Wow. 
you may not think it, subhanAllah, yeah. just, just take that moment to kind of register that when we think about wealth. Yeah. The fact that you can turn on any tap in the UK, yeah. and unless it says otherwise, it's got drinking water, hmm. you have access to blessings that the rest, you know, a, vast, a vast number of the world don't have. Right. So this one said we understand what wealth is, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's important to kind of understand it contextually yeah. as well. Um, so that lead me on to, to the next thing. So we've understood that wealth in and of itself is not a bad thing. Um, it can be used in, in, in lots of good ways. And obviously the opposite is true. It can be used in, in negative ways as well. What about striving for this wealth now? Like the reality is, you know, we live here in the UK many of us are spending majority of our day at work you know nine to five at least some people you know if you're working uh maybe a certain types of jobs like in a restaurant cabbie things like that you might be doing 12 hour days you know how do we balance up striving for our wealth compared to knowing that our risk is written for us and you know some people do have an attitude of well you know what i'm just going to sort of go with the flow my risk's written for me anyway. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna get that wealth, I'm gonna get it. If I don't, I'm not. So, what's the point of um, worrying about it? You know, how do how do we approach this uh, this concept? Right. So, when it when it comes to risk, uh, it's amazing, mashallah. Like uh, when you think of the concept of risk. Um, but with risk, I always talk about barakah. Mm. Right. So let, we'll start with risk. First of all, Allah has provided risk for everyone in the heavens and the earth, the animals, uh, the beasts, the humans. Allah says this in the Quran, uh, the hadith of the Prophet about the birds that go out with empty bellies and yeah. they come back with their bellies full. Now, that hadith is quite important because it doesn't say the birds that sit there and the food that is descended from the sky. Yeah, just chilling. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's, they go out. They right. go out and they seek their sustenance. They seek their, you know, provision. And that's important because it's not going to come to, to us like that. Our risk, we have to go out and seek it. And if we go about it in the right way, if we go about it seeking Allah's pleasure, we go about it with the right intention, then Allah will, Allah will either make that risk easy for us or he'll make it difficult for us. And this is a concept of barakah. The ability to do more with less. And this is why I say it's not wealth that we should try and achieve. It's the outcomes of wealth. So right. what I mean by that is what do you want wealth for? What do you want to do? Yeah. Right. Um, just as a small point, subhanAllah, I mean, I've worked in a few different roles. You mentioned um, I worked in the city. I, I used to work uh, for a big four, like a big um, uh, professional services firm, accountancy firm, one of the big four. Right, so big four, KPMG, EY, Deloitte, and PwC. And I left that job to go work for a charity kind of early in my career. And uh, people are like, what are you doing? It's a crazy move. You know, and I thought, no, subhanAllah, the reason I wanted to do it is because there's an opportunity to help them, the Muslimin. And the salary, equivalently, I probably would have missed out if I, if I was working in the city. But Alhamdulillah, um, since then, Allah has blessed me to do a lot. One thing I always enjoy doing is traveling or, or going and attending different kind of conferences and, and meeting people and creating uh, stronger networks. Yeah. Alhamdulillah, I've, I've traveled a phenomenal amount, right, in the last 10 years um, that hasn't been from my own pocket because right. it's been kind of work related or being invited, etc. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, that, and that, for example, is an outcome that was achieved. If yeah. I said, I want money so I can travel, hmm. 
I try and earn money with the mindset of traveling versus I want to do these things, inshallah, with a reason behind it. Yeah. You see, so if you focus on the outcomes, then Allah will facilitate it for you if you go about it the right way. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what I'm saying. Think about the outcomes you want to achieve. Is it a house that you want? It doesn't just mean, okay, listen, I'm going to go and work money. We don't have a binary relationship with our wealth. We think we work X amount of hours, we'll get X amount of money. Yeah. Right? It's not. Allah provides our rizq. Allah is our razak, without a doubt. Okay? And he can provide it from sources we can't even imagine. Mm. Yeah? So it's not that. The balance, though, is, look, taking care of your responsibilities. One thing is that Islam teaches us to be proactive, to be productive, to the, the upper hand is better than the lower hand, i.e. the hand that gives is better than the hand that receives. Okay, there was a person who was uh, begging and the Prophet said to him, why don't you go out and do some, you know, cut some wood and sell some wood. It's better that you do some work. You know, the people who are most deserving of charity is your family. Right. So when you think about this and being a productive member of society, being a Muslim that's active and the opportunities it gives. And I, I say this primarily, I don't know what the, um, the your audience is like, but if, if it's mainly guys, yeah. mainly men or guys, yeah then it's a responsibility on us to go out and be the breadwinners for our family. These are part of the qualities of rajula, of being men. Yeah. It's not we kind of sit at home and chill. No, we're active with family. And the best, the best recipients of, of your hard work and your charity is your family. You're looking after their needs. And if you do it with the intention that you want to please Allah and this is something Allah wants from you, then it becomes a rewarding act and it becomes ibadah. Yes, subhanAllah. That in itself becomes ibadah. Yeah. Don't limit your aspirations to your paycheck. Yeah. Right? Don't, don't think about, you know, I can only achieve these things in life, you know, if I'm earning this, this, and this. Don't limit yourself like that because our Lord has no limits. Yeah. Think about the one that you're asking and he will facilitate it. And, and I'm not saying this kind of like aspirationally. I've seen it in my life, Riyaz, genuinely, subhanAllah. I've had the opportunity to sit in the company of some amazing people, people I never have access to. We're talking royalty. We're talking CEOs of companies. You know, I've, I've, I've been invited to private dinners with, uh, you know, ambassadors, etc. You know, and, and this doesn't, you know, subhanAllah, I, I couldn't have engineered it. But alhamdulillah, Allah facilitated and gave me opportunities. But then I always had this intention that I want to pro to, to push forward the Islamic agenda. Yeah. You know, for me, that was my intention to use opportunities Allah gives me to further our cause. And yeah. Alhamdulillah has always given, uh, provided those opportunities. Well, uh, that actually nicely leads on to my next question. And you've you sort of answered it a little bit, but I just want to sort of like yeah. bring it back to I know you talked about not focusing on the balance, like the bank balance, and thinking about the barakah. Yeah. Um, somebody might argue that the reality is. Um, if I, if I, for example, let's say I work for a charity, like a Muslim charity or Muslim organization, uh, they're offering me 21K. If I worked in industry, they offer me 35K or something like this. You know, do we just sort of like rely on the barakah or expect the barakah or how do, how do we, how do we weigh that up? You know, in terms of like, cause I know, I understand yeah. what you're saying. I totally <laughs> understand what you're saying, but this is something that goes through people's minds, isn't it? So how do we sort of like, you know, of course. Um, come to a conclusion with that. Of course, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the hard reality. Okay, uh, what kind of age group are the audience in? We're looking mainly at sort of like university age. Yeah, university age. 
university age yeah? yeah right okay i'm gonna give some advice now yeah, yeah to the guys it. at university early part of your career focus on developing your skills mm. focus on developing your brand and that means investing in yourself right don't chase the money in the early part of your career chase the development because it will pay dividends later on in your life yeah. genuinely I, I say this to everyone it's so people you know uh they're numbers driven when they kind of leave uni or the early part of their career anyone that will pay a couple of grand more that's what they focused on and you know what it stunts their growth yeah you should be thinking about how do i develop myself how do i ensure that i'm learning as many skills as possible making myself invaluable to any any employer that i work for if i'm going to work for an employer and i don't go down the entrepreneurial route what skills am i picking up what value can i add when you start thinking of yourself as being someone who adds value okay then it doesn't really matter that the salary will follow honestly yeah. and it's very hard to see that at the beginning part of your career okay but if you invest in yourself sincerely sincerely and you keep the right intention in terms of seeking allah's pleasure Wallahi al-Azim, I say this with Allah is the guarantee, the wealth will follow you, mm. right? And I mean that, the wealth will follow you because when we talk about risk and we talk about razad, Allah has guaranteed that. Don't worry about that. Don't burden yourself with that. Think about what am I going to be giving back, okay? Now, for different people, it means different things. For some people, I would say for someone who has the aptitude to be a professional, to go into the working world and to be able to add value and to really uh, in, in pick up and hone their skills, for them to leave that very early on and go and work in a charity, alhamdulillah, that's great. But I'd say that such a person lacks vision. Right. Such a person lacks that's vision. They're thinking you... short term. Right. Because... That person should be thinking about the bigger picture. They should be thinking about what's their personal vision for themselves, right? They should be thinking about what do I want to achieve with my life? What are the goals? What are the areas of influence I want to have? What are the pockets of activity I want to be involved in? You see someone who's gone on and worked, for example, in a professional environment where they've been thrown in at the deep and they face different pressures. They've worked in environments where it's testing, okay? And they've performed at the top of their game. To then go in into the third sector, the charity sector, and I'm not just talking about the Muslim sector, I mean the third sector as a whole, it's a very different dynamic. Yeah. They can bring their skills across and they can take people and uplift the organization that they work for versus going into the charity from day one and the processes and the environment isn't as productive. Okay. There's, and, and the charity sector has changed anyway now. I mean, I, when, when I left university, something I worked in the public sector, I, I was on a graduate scheme. I was working in the public sector for a local council and I left that to go and work for one of the big four. And I can tell you the difference, even though they were both graduate schemes, it was night and day, wow. night and day difference, right? Being in an environment where you're pushed, where you're accelerating, this is better for you, definitely. Because at the, at the beginning of your career, you've got to consider yourself as someone who's a net taker of development okay you want to get to the point where you're a net giver of development right and so the environment that you put yourself in okay is going to shape that the yeah. environment that you put in the people you surround yourself with is going to shape that and that's why i say you've got to have a vision for for what you want with your life you know to push yourself excel yourself whilst you can don't worry about the money but think about yourself invest in yourself to be able to achieve that 
Okay, mashallah. So obviously, once you've got those skills, once you once you've developed them, then you can start giving back into your community. You can start giving back into like you know other sorts of projects and things like that. Um, so there there is a sort of um, I don't I don't want to say use the word trend because that might be a little bit too general, but there is a sort of like an understanding amongst some brothers that. Um, they become practicing. They want to focus on things like dawah. They want to focus on seeking knowledge, things like that. And as a result of that, they might sideline maybe opportunities when it comes to things like career. It might not just yeah. be about money. It might be about, like you say, the development side. You know, um, brothers might not take higher positions. Uh, so I'm from a teaching background and the number of brothers that you might see going for senior leadership roles might be more limited compared to like you know other other communities and it might be a case of well i've got enough that sees me uh, you know the 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 you know suffices my needs um now i want to focus on dawa i want to focus on knowledge things like that um is that something we should be doing as a community or should we be looking at it from the point of view of i've got an access to a particular skill set within i've got an access to a particular influence within a within an industry let me pursue that. Is that, you know, where's the balance with these two, these two things? Yes. So, I mean, it is, it is a challenge, but the two don't have to be mutually exclusive, Riaz, mm. right? I know plenty of, mashallah, uh, students of knowledge, genuine students of knowledge who are graduates from um, various institutions who are active professionals, right. mashallah, and, and, and they, they work but they also teach and, and, and they give the, the khutbahs locally. They're involved in classes, you know, uh, they're, they're involved in, you know, producing literature, etc. Yeah. The point is that, you know, sometimes we don't use it as an excuse to take our foot off the paddle, off the pedal. You know, the, the point of Ihsan is to accelerate in every field that we can. Yeah. Now, if somebody wants to give up a career because they want to dedicate themselves and genuine dedication, and they're working with the same ihsan, with the same type of mentality that they would if they were working in terms of the deen. So not nine to five, but you're putting in that amount of effort and you want to do it and you want to, you know, and it's more importantly part of your vision for yourself. Then I can understand the case for it. But if it's kind of like a part time thing and then, you know, because you, you don't want to have the aptitude and you don't want to put the time into working. So you kind of use it as an excuse. And I've seen that people kind of actively said, listen, ah, oh, why do you want to go work for da, 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 is part of the dunya, you know, and yeah. they're happy to not even like work, at, you know, um, any type of job is that just sign on. Yeah. Right. Because they say, because but then they're not active and proactive and doing everything they can in terms of the deen. Hmm. So it's easy to kind of use that excuse. No, I think if you can, look, if you're going to dedicate yourself to being a scholar or having that in full-time dawah and you, you create that niche for yourself where it's treated like a full-time role effectively, yeah. yeah, and you're keeping on top of your ibadah, et cetera, then that's fine. But don't use it as an excuse. And there's nothing stopping you that if you're entering the working world as a professional, that you still dedicate your time to all of your Islamic activity. Yeah. You've got to make a sacrifice somewhere, Riaz, bro. Mm. Uh, genuinely, it's not easy, but you've got to make a sacrifice. You use the opportunities, whichever sphere you're in, whichever sphere you're in, you try and influence it for the better. Okay? So if you're working, nothing stops you from praying Salah in the Masjid. 
Nothing stops you from keeping your fast. Nothing stops you from when you finish work at five o'clock to then attend a class or to give a class to attend a durus. Nothing stops you at the weekends from attending classes and giving classes if that so be it. Nothing stops you when you have your annual leave to go for Umrah and Hajj, etc. Nothing stops you from any other time that you have, and especially now when you're working from home, to be able to be involved in the dawah. Yeah. The reality is if you're not involved in these things when you're working, then you're not really going to be involved in them when you're not working. And I just want to add one point, actually, Raz. One of the things that really kind of upsets me, I've seen this in the city, right, is the number of people who are active when they're at university. So they're involved in their ISOCs and they're involved in their Muslim networks and they're proper, like, flying the flag. Yeah. When they come into the working world, then suddenly all of that's gone and you can't see any of it. And it makes me wonder, what were they doing it for? Right. What was the point? Where, where was that activism? Where was that himasa, that enthusiasm? Where is that jazba for, for Islam? Has it suddenly gone now that you're in the working world and you're more worried about... And then you think, is it all about your career? Because then you think maybe you were doing it at university for other reasons. Right. Question your intentions. Yeah. You see? There'll be a what separation. Happened? Separation between sort of like your private life and your... Like, I understand... Yeah. Um, you know, you might not you might not reveal all at work, but there might be huh. still still certain influences. Like, for example, yourself, you might might be involved in making sure that the brothers can pray Juma, for example. Or of course, do, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's a you know, there's just a Muslim voice. You know, they're going to have an event or something. There's a Muslim voice saying, "Well, actually, have we thought about this or that?" You know, from that point of view, being visibly Muslim, letting people know that you're Muslim without. I'm not saying that you proselytize and you're giving dawah to people like that. But when you're in the workplace, people know you're Muslim. You're not shy about talking about your faith. You know how to articulate your faith yeah. when it comes to things like Ramadan. You're making sure that there's prayer, as you said, making sure things like organizations, the pensions that they offer, that the pensions are halal, as an example, having those types of conversations. If there's issues, being able to uh, navigate them with, with, with the organization that you work, uh, work for. And then it is the balance, Riaz, though. It comes to a point where you realize, actually, look, alhamdulillah, you're earning enough money for what you need mm. right you earn enough for your need maybe not for your greed but you earn enough for your need oh, so you're happy to not go higher and you're not you're happy to not progress because your vision isn't to do that because you know it'll take time from something else or maybe it'll take time from your family from your dawah activities and so alhamdulillah you reach a medium that's enough if you're settled the best that one of the best qualities a person can have is contentment oh, yeah. wallahi is a gift bro Mm. And truly, when you see people who are content, Allah has blessed them, man. Yeah. Whether they're in a hut in the middle of the bloody desert, excuse my language, right? Oh. They're in the middle of a desert with nothing, and they don't know where the next meal is going to come from, but they're smiling. And we here in London, mashallah, I don't know where the listeners are from, but they're sitting in London, they've got a car outside, they've got a warm house, they've got food in the fridge, and we're miserable. That's Who's content? That, 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 yeah, that leads back to the barakah, isn't it? of course it is of course it is you know and, and just on the point of barakah i'm just saying you know i've seen people alhamdulillah alhamdulillah they've earned money and they earn money like ridiculous what some people would earn in a year they earn in a month i'm not exaggerating whereas this is the top type of money but that money has not allowed them to go for umrah once or to go for hajj mm-hmm. That money has not allowed them to be able to even give their zakat properly. Yeah. That money has not allowed them to be out of debt. Mm. They're in debt. And you see someone who earns 
much less, who earns in a year what they earn in a month, yet they've been for Umrah a number of times, they've been for Hajj, they, they provide for their children, they've got their children married, subhanAllah. You look at them, they're smiling, they have time for the masjid, they're involved in the community. When that time comes, when they pass away, the community turns up for their janazah. Mm. Who was the one who was rich? Who was the one who was wealthy? Yeah. Right? Who is, Barakah is the one who has the ability to do more with less. Yeah. Lack of barakah is in spite of having that money, you can't do anything with it. You know, I see this myself even. There are, there, there are some brothers like, um, you know, they might, might work in the charity sector or something like that. And I don't know for a fact, when it comes to figures, my salary might be higher than them. But subhanAllah, yeah. Allah, Allah enables them, they go hajj every year. Yeah. You know? like, I have to save up and like blah, blah, blah. They get to go <laughs> yeah. hajj every year, you know. Um, they yeah. might have more kids than me. And they're yeah. providing for them, you know, and all, all, all this sort of stuff, subhanAllah. So I think also what's really important, and you've touched on it, um, that's why I want to, like, you know, focus on it a little bit, is this concept of vision and how, yeah. um, like, something like, for example, separating your dawah from your work. Now, if somebody was to have a clear vision in their life, and let's say, for example, their vision is, right, I'm going to work for the sake of Allah. I'm going to I'm going to earn money. I'm going to have an influence in my workplace, all of this for the sake of Allah, then they can bring um, that positive influence into that environment, you know? Yeah. Like for example, if we take um, this, whole, this whole issue with COVID and the vaccine and all this sort of stuff, we're turning to the brothers that are experts in that field, you know? Yeah. The brothers that have excelled in that particular field to give us advice on this particular issue. And I remember, for example, uh, Sheikh Abu Isa, he's got a bit of a background in like, you know, pharmaceuticals, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of people are turning to him for, you know, advice and guidance on this particular issue. And, you know, we need experts in those fields as well. And then when an issue comes up, then we can turn and refer to them. So it's not like, you know, we separate, oh no, dawah is just one particular thing and knowledge is one particular thing and work is another you know, there is, you know, there is a need to have experts in all different fields, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And being, you know, experts or specialists, this is something that we should uh, aspire to. You know, Islam came for for everyone. Yeah. The Prophet was a mercy for the whole of mankind. And we want to influence the world, the world with khair. If we're experts and we have the audience, it makes a massive difference. To, to, to people when we speak. So being experts and being able, look, subhanAllah, like it's the COVID, uh, the, the vaccine, subhanAllah, the, 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 from, from Turkey specifically, the two Muslims, the, the Muslim couple that came with the, 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 the vaccine. Phenomenal. Mm. Phenomenal, mashallah, that Muslims, they're, they're at the top of the game. Whatever we do, we've got to look at that. But you've got to be sincere to it, Riaz. This is the point. If you're saying, listen, you know, I want to work and I want to, inshallah, be an influence in my workspace, then you, how, how sincere are you to that vision for yourself, right? And are you doing it truly to make your life easy? Or are you then thinking about actually the money that I earn, I'm actually giving more of it to charity. Mm. You know, what have I done? What, what kind of personal markers have I made that I've demonstrated the influence I'm making through my work for the Muslimin? You know, so you got to check yourself. And then you got to ask yourself, who do you surround yourself with to keep yourself balanced? This is so important. The Prophet ﷺ told us, beware of the marketplace. Right. There's a dua for entering uh, yeah. and leaving the marketplace, right? When you seek refuge from Allah, right? And the workplace is the biggest market.
marketplace today. Mm. The things that go on, and you're gonna say, how do you conduct yourself in the marketplace when you're working? How do you conduct yourself, right? All of these things come into play. Um, are, are you caught up in keeping up with the Joneses and competition with the people? You know, are, are you striving for that? And you just wanna earn more money and then you're, you, know, you get upset. You find that your personal emotions get hurt when someone earns more money than you, someone got a better grading than you. And you, know, you start thinking about all of these things. And that's why I'm saying, if that is your intention, put in, put in markers to check yourself. Yeah. I would say this for someone who makes that. One is make sure that you are doing whatever you're doing with Ihsan and you have to check yourself regularly. How are you actually fulfilling that vision? If you're saying your work, whatever your work is, for example, if you're an accountant, okay, how well are you doing? What are you doing with your spare time? Are you then using your accountancy to help other Muslim organizations? If you're doing it as a day job, for example, in your workplace, what are you doing in terms of uh, furthering the Muslim agenda? You know, really like how good are you? How are you perceived at your job? You know, are, are you seen as, you know, are Muslims seen as productive members of the workforce? And, and we have this, and, and I've got to say this, man, look, not to um, chastise the Muslims, but, you know, when it comes to some work, work practices, we're a little bit slack. Are. So, for example, at Juma, you know, uh, I remember some brothers complaining that look for Juma, our our manager won't let us uh, get take more than an hour for Juma. So we're supposed to have our lunch and then do the Juma, and it's difficult. We need about an hour twenty minutes, and why is our manager not giving it to us? As an example, so I turned around to them and I said to them, "How many of you offered to do an extra twenty minutes at the end of the day or come in twenty minutes earlier?" Mm. And they're like, oh no, why? Well, why would we do that? Yeah, of course, yeah. you want him to give you something. What are you giving back in return? Yeah, yeah. Do you see what I mean? Like, yeah, this yeah. is small things. This is a small example, but there's amazing examples, mashallah, of people who who are really productive. They're doing, they're working really hard. They're good examples, etc. But then also, don't put your faith in that. Ultimately, you know, mm. this is at the end of the day, this is still all dunya, man. Right. And this dunya wasn't designed for us. And don't tie your hopes to this dunya. We do what we do. We make the best of it whilst we're here. But it is a journey, man. Honestly, and I'm, I'm saying that because, you know, I speak to a lot of good brothers and just the, it's just the nature of the place you get caught up in it and you get disappointed. So don't tie your hopes to it. Be connected to something greater than yourself. You have to be connected to something greater than yourself. Then it gives that job purpose and it gives your role purpose. Hang around with people who uh, I would say either scholars who are practicing because they humble you. Mm, when yeah. you're sitting with them and you're saying i've been in that subhanallah and you're like think yeah yeah i'm i made senior manager uh, out of my peer group first or i received this rating at work or all of these things and the person below you is like next to you is 10 years younger than you and he's just finished hifz of the quran and now he's memorizing hadith and you're looking at him who's the successful one mm. you know what you're what you've achieved is hollow bro mm. oh can surround yourself with people who are sacrificing and it puts your own achievements uh kind of uh yeah in in, in the correct position yeah puts a bit of perspective into it that's gonna Absolutely. lead on yeah that's gonna lead on to my next one yeah now this one i might be opening a bit of a can of worms um and i'm a bit conscious of time but yeah um we, we can just sort of like uh, no touch on it anyway so there's a massive push right, nowadays cool. um with this concept of financial freedom Okay, you, every YouTube video yeah. you uh, you click on, there's always like some guy at the start of it saying, 
you know, uh, wouldn't you love to be on this island, you know, earning money, blah, blah, blah. And I've actually seen a few Muslim uh, organizations sort of pop up. We're not here to talk about any organization. We're just talking about the concept, like sort of trying to sell this concept of financial freedom to the Muslims. Okay. And um, yeah, obviously you being somebody, you know, clued up on Islamic finance, especially the Muharramat aspect of it. And, you, you know, that's the, the things that yeah. are not permissible within transaction. Um, is this, is this just us getting caught into the same sort of traps or is there actually some kind of like, you know, concept from, from Islam that we could sort of like take from this, or is it just sort of like something that, you know, you mentioned earlier, the, the hadith about the bird that goes out to, you know, uh, goes out in the morning to seek its rhythm, yeah. comes back with its belly full. So this concept of financial freedom, you know, I'm going to chill. Maybe from an Islamic point of view, we don't want to chill. We want to do things like Hifth quran we want to do X, Y, Z, but we've got our money sort of like ticking over in the background. But are we falling into traps when we're thinking about that? Or is that something that we should actually be, be looking into? And, you know, uh, what are your thoughts on that? All right. Massive All right. question. So there's two things here, right? Yeah, no, no, no. Riaz, I think it's a very good question, Jazakallah had. There's two things, uh, two points I want to make. And that's quite important. One, look, this thing about suddenly Muslim, you know, Muslim millionaires and Muslim, like, you know, success and Muslim... Uh, entrepreneurial genuses etc etc um anything which is encouched in religious language to sell something to do uh with money right i i can't stand i can't stand because um the wealth of the muslim is sacred the wealth of the muslim is sacred and you see Riaz, for me your money is sacred to me i wouldn't want you to ever lose your money all right through uh, unjust means etc now these schemes where they get rich quick schemes or they're saying listen you know pay money now bro i it hurts me i know situations where where muslims who aren't who haven't paid their rent they're unable to pay their rent uh they're single mothers they've got some savings they buy into it because the people who come selling these type of schemes appear religious uh, look religious have the language of religiosity and they're saying to them sell your gold come guaranteed uh, success da, 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 free up your time who doesn't want that mm. who wants to be working like nine to five right when you can get money coming in yeah. and they take advantage of that. they take advantage of these people how many of these cases have gone and they've you know they've disappeared now and it's like essentially fraud okay yeah. number one nothing which is worth its weight in salt comes easily mm. okay this is this is very important okay look at the rules when it comes to islamic finance and it comes to business generally the same rules the fundamentals don't change i say this to people out there as well if you're investing or whatever the fundamentals don't change if you're putting money into a business you need to ask them what income is it generating mm. what income is it actually earning and if it's not earning any income, where is it making its money from? And if they say, look, we're going to make money when we sell it to the next person, then this is essentially a pyramid scheme. Honestly, you're playing a valuation game, which the kuffar do, and, and there have been huge crashes. This is what you call the bubbles that are created. So Muslims who are going out and selling this type of lifestyle, they should be discerning about who they say and um, present these opportunities to. They should consider the wealth of their mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters as sacred to them. And they don't want them to, to, to put their money into something that, they, that may cause it harm, okay? 
but there may be genuine investment opportunities. That's different. Make sure it's halal. It's there. People understand the risks, but there's no shortcut. There's no shortcut to success, Riaz, right? So I'll say this, right, for, for the people who are kind of pushing this. For the individual themselves, okay, if they think, okay, look, I don't want to go down in the working world. I want to be an entrepreneur. Then alhamdulillah, okay, look, there is blessing in tijara. Definitely there's blessing in business if you can go about it right. But don't use it as an excuse to say, I want to earn money so then I can do all of this stuff. And for example, memorizing Quran and you know studying ilm, etc. Because you'll be doing that irrespective. Right. Yeah, if you're not doing it, then you need to ask yourself. And this is what I see about a lot of these people who are pushing that type of lifestyle. You know, free up your time so you can do more for the religion. Well, why aren't you doing it for the religion anyway? Yeah. yeah and then if you get the money, it's a bonus. Yeah. People who people who are committed and sincere, they will do it anyway. Mm. Okay, and this is what we see. I tell you, Subhanallah Riyaz, a number of the mashaykh that we we know that we love, they're going through hardship, bro, financial hardship. They think a hundred times before they will think about charging money for any type of ilm or any type of interaction with people. They're scared of it. And I know they're going through difficulties. And these are people who are sincere and dedicate their lives to the religion. We live in an instant gratification generation. This is the reality, Riaz. We see the, 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 the Instagrammers and the YouTubers, etc., living the lifestyle. And we want that lifestyle, but with a religious garb. Mm. We've, got to be, we've got to be true to ourselves. You know, we yeah, love Dubai so. because, yeah, we want Dubai because it's halal Disneyland. Yeah. That's fine. Not so halal nowadays, yeah, man. Yeah, not so halal nowadays for sure, bro. Alliances, yeah. Sorry, uh, co kosher Disneyland. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Yeah, subhanAllah. So, you know, that's, that's, that's what I say on that. People who are going to put their money into it, you don't look at the, the fundamentals Islamically. Is it a halal transaction? Can the people stand by it? And there's no... And the other thing is also, look, part of this narrative, which I find a kind of dislike, is that somehow it's demeaning those people who choose to go out and work. Mm. Yeah. If someone goes out to work and earn money for their family and they strive, then there's honor in that. There's honor in the fact that they don't waste money. There's honor in the fact that they go out and they earn with their own hands what they will feed their family. Yeah. Okay. When you're in this entrepreneurial game, bro, it's, uh, you're effectively like a businessman. And the opportunities for a businessman to fall into error are so great. On the flip side, the reward for the honest businessman is so high. They'll be raised with the shuhada and the salihin on the day of judgment. You imagine what it takes to be raised with the shuhada and the salihin, Riaz, bro, as a businessman. Why is it so difficult? Because believe me, bro, and I've been in business, the opportunities to cut corners, to do little shimmies is yeah. so great. Yes. Yeah, and you can transgress someone's right without you even thinking twice about it. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, so the, I, th I think the point that you made, um, what, what was that point that you made? That money doesn't come easily. And some, no. sometimes these, these things, they're, they're selling like this sort of like easy, you know, uh, this easy sort of um, path to money, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a, I remember one brother, 
he came on a course with me, one of these sort of like entrepreneur courses. It wasn't a pyramid scheme one, um, but it, it, it was just sort of like, you know, encouraging to be entrepreneurial. And he was saying, if there's no risk, it's not halal. Basically, you know, like this concept that if, if there's no risk in there, then you straight away yeah. you can say that if you're guaranteeing me something, no risk, there's probably not going to be halal, you know, subhanAllah. Um, and there is a trend, even, for example, amongst non-Muslim uh, colleagues and things like this at work, you know, they're always checking their stocks. They're always looking at share <laughs> prices. You know, they're always looking at the next property to buy. And from a Muslim point of view, sometimes we can look at that and we can think, hold on, you know, they're, they're making money. They're, they've got this type of house. They've got this these shares. You know, I've got one colleague, he's thinking about remortgaging his house so, so that he can put that into shares, you know, and like, you know, buy shares and things like that. And sometimes you think, oh man, like, you know, as, as a Muslim, we're going to miss out on that stuff. But I think it's about having a confidence in our own deen and having a confidence in our own Islamic personality that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made certain things halal for us, certain things no. haram for us. And if we live our lives according to the halal, there might be some things that we might miss out on in dunya. But first of all, are we really missing out because we get the barakah? And then secondly, what we have in the akhirah is we're not going to be asked about those things. And then other people that, that like you say, make those uh, little shady deals or et cetera, et cetera, they're obviously going to be asked about or even subhanAllah punished for it as well. Um, so this is going to be the last thing that uh, I want you to sort of leave on. Um, and I'm going to sort of combine my last two points together, um, which is the concept of chasing the dunya compared to earning. Yeah. Like what yeah. constitutes chasing the dunya and what constitutes actually like, you know, I, I gave an example, right, um, to some brothers, and I don't think they liked it. Uh, and it was basically, imagine you've got two individuals, okay? You've got one person who's an accountant, and they work like a 12-hour day, yeah? Yeah. Um, and they earn 80 grand, right? And then the other person is like a restaurant worker, and they earn 20, 20 grand, but they work a 12-hour day, yeah? And I said, like, who's in a better-off position, Yeah. And there was a bit of a discussion about it. It was quite interesting that you could be earning 20 grand and you're chasing dunya. And you could be earning 80 grand, but you're not chasing dunya. You're just, you know, um, it's, it, it's, it's just your rizq that's coming to you sort of thing. So I just want you to touch on this concept and then combine that maybe with some closing advice to youth. I know you've already given a bit of advice to them as well. Yeah. Just some closing comments on, uh, you know, what the youth should be focusing on you know, with regards to careers, wealth, etc. No problem. Um, Yeah, so this point actually, it's it's really good about the person who's earning more and uh, he's not chasing the dunya versus the person who is earning less and they're chasing the dunya. Bro, it comes down to what possesses your heart, isn't it? Mm. You know, what possesses your heart? When you get up in the morning, what's motivating you? What, uh, in your free time, uh, what are you thinking about? what are your emotions tied to you know you'll find if someone who earns uh, 80,000 and he's in, in, in the workplace and he doesn't get that acknowledgement he doesn't care if his colleagues don't think he's this or in his annual appraisal he doesn't get it you know he's done a lot uh, a hardship everyone's upset but he leaves with a smiling face and he goes home and meets his family and he's as happy as he would be when things are tough at work he doesn't come home and take out on the family you know when uh, he doesn't get that bonus or when he receives that paycheck he says alhamdulillah but you know he's not upset that it's not higher right 
and what he does with that money. You know, these, these, it's not a concern of his. His heart is attached. He's waiting. He's thinking, when I finish, I want to go to the masjid. He's looking forward to Ramadan. He's looking forward to being able to give charity. His heart is concerned with something beyond himself. Versus now the person who works in the restaurant, he wakes up in the morning, goes, oh, I need to earn money. I've got to go to work. Misses his morning prayers whilst he's working. He misses his salah at work. You know, he's constantly thinking, why didn't I get paid more? Or the people at work, they upset him. So he comes out and he takes it home out on his family. What yeah. he's thinking about is, where's the next gig going to come from? You know, who's been consumed by their work? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Consumed by their work. And it doesn't just have to be with money, bro. Maybe you may think, Oh, it's easy because the guy's getting more money. Mm. Even if it's the other way around, you'll find people who work in restaurants. You often find people who are minicab drivers who are just relaxed. Mm. They're chilled, alhamdulillah. They earn less money, but they're not consumed by it. But it's what possesses your heart, what you think about, what, what impacts your emotions. You know, these are the things I would say with that would, would define whether you're chasing or whether you're, the dunya is chasing you. Yeah, it's fine, man. So any uh, any closing advice that you give to like you know young people thinking about going into their career, thinking about like you know um, then the next step for them, you know uh, just closing advice that you might have, inshallah. Yeah, definitely. So I'll say, look, from a conventional perspective, right? From um, just a work perspective, I would say invest in yourself, develop yourself, look at the opportunities, look for stretch opportunities. Don't go into areas that you're comfortable with. Always will look for roles where you're out of your comfort zone and you're constantly learning. Don't chase the money. Don't chase the salary. Chase the opportunity that you'll get for working with good people, right? Make sure you do that. If you can get some sort of additional qualifications or, you know, development opportunities when you're at work, that's a massive tick for you, right? Work, find out about those types of roles. Um, constantly uh, take advantage of opportunities that are outside of your work as well, that are connected to your work, but outside of work. So if you're investing in yourself, look, you know, some of the greatest opportunities I've had, alhamdulillah, have been uh, not to do with work, but they've then facilitated uh, opportunities for me within work. So, for example, um, I took part in leadership. Uh, I uh, attended summer schools, uh, you know, kind of leadership conventions or conferences that were going on. Things that may seem dry, right, to some people. But you go to it anyway just to learn, pick up things, because then it shapes uh, your, your, your understanding, your, your connectivity with each other, right? So I would say this in terms of look at your development for the early part of your career. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about if you don't know what you're going to be doing either. Try and get into a, a good job that gives you good development. You know, up until your late 20s, if you're still not sure, it's not a problem. Honestly, it's not a problem. Don't worry about it. Just make sure that you're constantly learning. You're picking up new skills. You, you know, you don't do the same kind of role for more than two years. Mm. You, you know, you're changing, going to a different department, different team. Be proactive. This is it from a work perspective. From an Islamic perspective, don't lose sight of your purpose. Mm. Don't use your work as an excuse ever to not fulfill your obligations Islamically. Okay. Mm. Work should never take a priority over your religious obligations, your faraid. Okay. Obviously, there's flexibilities in terms of timing for what things like salat for Jummah, non-negotiables. Don't even think about it. Connect yourself to something outside of work, maybe some sort of organization or a group or a halakha or something that keeps you in check. Mm. That keeps you in check. Ensure that you have a solid relationship with the Quran. Because honestly, sometimes it's the only thing that may save you. 
because when you're in the working world and the lure of the working world things start to become easy you need to retreat to the quran so make sure you have that support network outside of work that then it keeps you safe within the workplace that's beautiful advice there mashallah um if, it, if, if I could just add a couple of points for the listeners as well, like, you know, uh, Salah Umar, he touched on it many times, this concept of vision. When you have a vision in mind, then it really sort of like, you know, it, it, it drives you and it like, you know, I think it's one of the, um, one of the first habits, isn't it? Of the, of the, uh, the seven habits of a highly successful yes, people. Highly is, you, know, yeah. you know, beginning with the end in mind, you know, having that vision, um, in, in mind and then that's going to sort of shape you from there mashallah Omar you gave us some very good advice some very interesting food for thought as well um, brothers and sisters I hope you've enjoyed that podcast if you have please share it with um, you know anyone that you think would have any benefit from it inshallah ta'ala um, keep yourself sincere have that vision work hard and make sure that you're doing things with ihsan you approach your work with ihsan you approach your da'wah with ihsan and then inshallah ta'ala you'll get uh, the blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the barakah. Don't consume yourself with the, the figures. Consume yourself with doing what is right with yourself and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the uh, the rizq will come, inshallah ta'ala. Jazakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.